needs to sit back. The doctor should look at it as soon as possible. It is the way in which we propagate our species. Good evening, boys and girls. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. This work is dedicated to those friends and colleagues from Star Trek and T.J. Hooker, whose talents have contributed to no, in no small measure to whatever success I have achieved. Acknowledgements. Writing a book is both an agony and an ecstasy, wrestling with an empty page and a barren brain is agony, putting a period on the last sentence of a well-constructed paragraph is the ecstasy. Between the two lines, the abyss of the novel, in order to cross that crevasse, I needed help. Ron Goulart, a wonderful writer, showed me the way out and showed me the way in to completing the novel. He did an enormous amount of work, stick a pin in that, and I shall be grateful to him for a long time to come. In addition, I'd like to express my gratitude to Susan Allison, Roger Cooper, Chris Schillig, and Lisa Wagner at J.P. Putnam's for their help. Acknowledgements should be also be extended to my agents, Ivy Fisher-Stone and Fifi Oscar in New York, and to my good friend and agent from that organization, Carmen Levere, for his dedication and know-how in making this idea become a reality. William, Mr. Tambourine him, Man himself, Shatner, who will always forever be one of the common people. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, with that, welcome to Casual Tech. Yes, this is, after a few weeks away, uh, we're back to what Miles has assured me is definitely the premise of this podcast, where we examine the uh, the fictional works of one William Shatner, specifically, in this case, Tech War. That is right, Miles. This is what we've been doing for the last year and a bit, right? Um, I, I think so. Um, anything else is just a tech-inspired hallucination from uh, the drug tech we've been taking a lot of during the month of NaNoWriMo. Yes, yes. And on that note, how's your NaNoWriMo been, Mars? Uh, it has actually not been a great one. Uh, I've I've kind of, I gave up halfway through because, um, so it turns out that having to edit two podcasts in one month is actually a really tiring expense. Uh, it takes a bit Ch of time. Ch Ch Charlie, did you know about this? Weirdly enough, Miles, I might be familiar for the last year and a half. Man, I, I, I never, I never knew. Um, and then, like, I've had the Thanksgiving run up, of course. Um, so that's been busy at work, and then also, um, I, for the last few months, I've generally been doing my my writing first thing in the morning, and also been alternating between doing doing words or going to the gym. Uh, turns out that has actually kind of then screwed up my schedule. Didn't help that my nano is on Brighton time, so it is six hours ahead of me. Oh yeah! And so when it hits six p.m., 
it becomes the next day, thus throwing off my word count, so I fell behind, and I'm taking this as a loss, but, you know, the, the experiences I will learn from it would be a win. Hi, everyone. I'm Miles Lobato, science fiction writer and Raymond Chandler fan, and Charlie Etheridge Nunn. Who are you? Well, I, um, I am tolerable NaNoWriMo doer Charlie Etheridge Nunn. I have technically finished a novella and written a lot of blog posting about RPGs as my month. Uh, yeah. So there's that. And I'm a Blade Runner fan. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I came fairly late to actually being a fan of Blade Runner. It used to be a thing my dad would put on. It was nice. And then I did a film noir module of media studies at sixth form. And we were shown Maltese Falcon, Chinatown, um, L.A. Confidential at the Duke of York's, which Ooh, was I've actually there. I've never seen L.A. Confidential. I've seen uh, Maltese Falcon and Chinatown, both yeah. spectacular films. L.A. Confidential, I definitely recommend. It's good okay. fun. And then, yeah, to round it out, Blade Runner. There's a nice little <laughs> bonus at the end going, look, this is still a film noir. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cyberpunk has never been... Like, I came to cyberpunk late because, you know, I I wasn't cool enough in the 80s and 90s to read actual science fiction beyond, like, uh, Star Wars tie-in novels and Dune. Yeah, the leather jackets and the mirror shades were... Yeah, so I was, like, the first real cyberpunk I would say I came in contact with would be, like, Blade Runner, uh, the 90s film of Ghost in the Shell... Oh, yes. And The Matrix. I was not that kind of nerd who went to see Johnny Mnemonic in cinemas. No, no. I don't I don't know if I know anyone who saw Johnny Mnemonic. I don't know. The Keanu Renaissance hadn't quite happened at that point. Mm. But yeah, I, um, I mainly got into Cyberpunk through Cyberpunk 2020, the role-playing game. Not the, um, uh, not the hit playstation 4 game which has been bug free since launch mm, no no um i was getting into role-playing games and i knew nothing about them i've never met a role player outside for people i conscripted into playing vampire the masquerade advanced <laughs> Dungeons and dragons and alternity in that order and then this Ch- charlie Bur- yeah be honest yeah was young Charlie, who was conscripting people to play Vampire and Masquerade, was he a basic bitch? Probably. I, I certainly too basic to be with the the cool goth kids that actually would have appreciated Vampire for Masquerade. Um, but yeah, and then this kid Fergal heard me talking about role playing games, probably to some tired, bored <laughs> friend of mine. And lent me his copy of Cyberpunk 2020, which was thoroughly used, but it was good fun. And then he moved away about a month later, and I still have his copy of Cyberpunk 2020. Ah, see, clearly, he he was a salesman from this was this is put up by our Taller Talsorian Talsorian. So maybe he was just like a plant for the company who just goes from small town to small town in England and just gives people copies of Cyberpunk 2020. Mm, predicting that 
most of the cyberpunk books I'd buy were really cheap, really bad, overbought ones that Dave's had for like four pounds until 2020 itself, where I would actually buy their new cyberpunk game, Cyberpunk Red, um, which I still haven't read. Oh, I remember yeah, a huge cyberpunk thing I was really into. Shadowrun, not the role-playing game, but the Super Nintendo game based what? on the Shadow. There was a, based... there was oh, a yeah. SNES game of it. <laughs> there was a SNES game. It's kind of awesome. It's also kind of um, it's kind of difficult because it's definitely one of those role-playing games where you have to find out where the plot is going. It won't. The, the DM's not railroading you on what yeah. you have to do. Wow. I I made a character for a Shadowrun game, and then the person that was going to GM it bailed. And from everything I've heard about Shadowrun, it's an interesting setting. The system has never been good, and the basic concept is very much you're going to do some shady work for corporations, because maybe one day you'll be the shady corporation. That kind of mentality. Uh, no, of, of I'm good. Where oh, yeah. oh so the the cyber so cyber yuppie, I guess cyber cent cyber centrism. Yeah, kind of. A friend of mine used a system called the Black Hack uh, to run cyberpunk set in a dystopian cyberpunk Brighton, oh. uh, which was good fun. <laughs> so yeah, so that one shop which just sells nothing but weird clubbing gear on Sydney Street. Oh, Miles, I've got some terrible news for you. Oh, no. Have they have they expanded to London Road? It did make it to 2020, but <laughs> not beyond the... <laughs> We're like, yes, yes the cyberpunk year. Now we're done. <laughs> Our work is over here. I, I assume the pandemic was not kind to the weird neon clubwear market. So, uh, Charlie. Oh, yeah, we, we actually mentioned why we're talking about cyberpunk yeah, earlier. Um... So yeah, why were we talking about noir as well as cyberpunk here? Um, I I can well okay. I feel that cyberpunk as a literary genre just mm. does take a lot from pulp noir trappings, which is why I put Raymond Chandler as my as my thing because I always equate noir and and film noir and like detectives to like one of the best in the, uh, in the bit in the genre, which is Raymond Chandler, who wrote the big sleep. Um, the book you need to read to get why the big Lebowski is so funny. Yeah. Cause well, I did not get the big, like, like my entire life. Everyone's become like, Oh man, the big Lebowski is the funniest film ever. It's great. It's great. It's great. I watched him like, okay, it's, good but i i don't get it then mm. i read the big sleep or rather i listened to an 80s bbc radio radio player of it starring ed bishop as philip marlowe um he he voices a lot of the american characters in the old jerry anderson shows he was captain blue in captain skull and the Misterins, and he played straker in the jerry anderson live action show ufo which is fucked up Oh if, God! If I listened ever... to Geek Syndicate podcast. They have been rewatching UFO, and oh, it God. sounds wild. UFO is amazing. So yeah, and I, I read The Big Sleep, and then I watched Big Lebowski, and I was like, "Oh, I get why this is funny because this is The Big Sleep." If they got the if they got the wrong guy to be the hero, yeah. 
and then I I got the film. Um, admittedly, given this book, I probably should have said another Jerry Anderson show, which is Space Precinct, which was basically um, crap Hill Street Blues in space. Uh, I mean, so I like noir. Noir's one yeah. of those things that I'm a fan of, not in a massive way. I'm kind of a casual noir fan. And um, I don't know what I expected coming into Tech War, because I didn't even read the back of the book going into this. I was like, it's going to be some sci-fi bullshit. It's going to be Shatner doing what he'd have done if he was in charge of Star Trek. I did not expect a film noir. Yeah. And it's not really... I don't know. I'm not going to say it's... Yeah. I'm not going to say it's a great film noir, because... um, I mean, I realise, as I said, film noir, it's not even a film. It's a book. No, it's a book. Um, But yeah, it's a... Hard-boiled detective fiction, this is not. Yeah, yeah. There's it's very much your soft boiled egg of uh, of noir. Yeah, it is it is your fuzzy cardigan of um of detective pulp. <laughs> Not helped by the fact that the main character, our William Shatner self and Sir Gary Stu, is which is literally called Jake Cardigan. I read this during uh, like after being after um being on a picket line for a few hours. And I sat down in a cafe. I opened it up. I almost spat my drink out about the agony and the ecstasy of, of writing <laughs> book. And then opening the first page of it and seeing the name, I literally shouted. It's like a couple of paragraphs in going, today all that was going to change. But Jake Cardigan didn't know anything. About I was like, really? <laughs> like, what? Do you think it's pronounced like in the book, like cardigan or cardigan? It's. I mean, it feels like it. It's a sound alike for that kind of um, name, where it's like cardigan's a wild card. Yeah, you know, oh, cardigan doesn't play by the rules, but it's it's fucking it's, cardigan. It's cardigan. Well, it's maybe like what you wear. <laughs> it's literally spelt that way. It's. I was. When I saw that, I was like, what's his love interest? Like, Sylvia Blouse. Like, what? Sylvia Pullover. Okay, okay. I I mean, were cardigans not as much of a thing in 1989 in the I, States? I don't know. Like, okay, card- Jake members only jacket doesn't work. Like, yeah. He couldn't have even done, like, you know, like the thing you always do in bad novels, which is just change a letter to make it sound more futuristic. Like, um, yeah. have it be. Cardigan or Cardizan. Cardigan with a K. Cardigan Cardigan with an X. Yeah. For for extreme. Like hell. He I mean, it wasn't the nineties when he wrote this, I guess. Yeah. So like it could have been Jake X Cardigan. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I feel we're we are, of course, as any time that we're away from each other at a recording device for a long amount of time, we are approaching this in a fairly random and unhinged way so we'll get on to what tech war is and bring you all in because we've experienced a lot here miles has made me experience a lot here and i don't know if i can forgive him but before we do that we will as tradition has dictated go on to what non-tech war thing 
have you been enjoying since we last spoke, Miles? Um, well, I have been enjoying the new Apple TV TV show, Monarch, Legacy mm. of Monsters, which is a TV show uh, tie-in to the current MonsterVerse, which is what they're calling the US, the current spout of US and King Kong Godzilla films. Um, it's co-created by comic writer Matt Fraction, who has written, you know, some of the best comic books and also X-Men as well. <laughs> yeah, his run certainly happened. But yeah, he wrote Hawkeye, and that was great. He wrote Sex Next Criminals. Criminals, and that was great, although it's really hard to recommend a, a comic to someone with the title Sex Criminals. Um, it's It takes place in, like two, in two separate timelines. Um, one is the 50s, which involves um, a bunch of scientists uncovering that there are these giant monsters hanging around, mm-hmm. and there, then it cuts to the present day. Well, it cuts to 2015 post the first Godzilla film. And you have this American Japanese woman who went to Japan because her father went missing, immediately found out that her father had a second family in Tokyo. Yeah. And it turns out he knows about Monarch. And so they're on the run because Monarch are chasing them, trying to uncover what happened to the father. Right. Um, there is a character called Shaw in both timelines. Um, in the pre- in like the 2015 timeline, he's played by Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Very old Kurt Russell, but it's Kurt Russell. He still has that Kurt Russell charm, uh, which you know Chris Pratt has tried and failed to emulate in the Jurassic World movies. And then in the younger timeline, um, it's he's played by Wyatt Russell. Um, Kurt's son, oh. who also played U.S. agent in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and yeah. like it's kind of fun because it's very clear that Wyatt has kind of studied like his dad's mannerisms and like his dad's kind of on-screen persona to kind of give us like a younger version of that kind of Kurt Russell kind of cocky swagger, and so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been Monster Light. Although Godzilla did turn up in episode three in the fifties timeline, where the U.S. government immediately like tr- kind of tricked him onto an island, and then do what any American soldier does in Hawaii in the nineteen fifties, which is immediately set off a nuclear bomb and for science, of course. So yeah, the show is fun. I'm enjoy I'm enjoying it, and I'm trying to keep up with it weekly, which for me is a challenge in and of itself uh charlie what non-tech war thing have you been enjoying recently so i figured i'd i'd go into the book realm especially because Ooh. i read i think three books in the span of trying to read tech war and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah um this, this one... is the, this is the way it is it is it's um the book i i really enjoyed was uh venomous lump sucker by Ned okay. Bowne. So it's first of all, I'm gonna say it's kind of funny because the topic very, very much is not. Uh it's about extinction. That's that's not funny. Specifically the extinction industry. What happens when you get capitalism more involved than it already is 
with the extinction industry and effectively kind of like carbon credits and that sort of thing. If you start fining people for making a species extinct, as a lot of companies have been doing, then they're going to effectively have extinction credits, which are we can get away with making X amount of species uh, extinct. There's some buying and selling and you need to sell, you need to spend a vastly larger sum of them if you make a an intelligent species extinct, understandably. And the protagonists of this book, one, after a fuck-up happens, and this is a book with a lot of fuck-ups happening, uh, the venomous lump sucker might well be extinct. So she wants to find it. She has, She's driven very much by the the want of her eventual annihilation at the hands of the venomous lump sucker, an ugly fish that rips lumps off of off of its prey and might be smart, might be oh. intelligent. Okay. It might not. So she wants to make sure that it isn't extinct, but her kind of climate guilt very much has her on, on a, a kind of death spiral. And she's working with a guy who... Uh, did a lot of short selling of um, of extinction credits and basically sold his company's extinction credits on the understanding that there will be a, a good hefty return without realizing they'd made the venomous lump sucker possibly extinct and it is probably very intelligent as a species. So he's fucked, basically. Is someone that desperately loves eating any food and so much is fake food, like pretend food, especially with things like panda or anything like that after the last panda was killed. And you get protesters throwing like a giant panda tumor at people um, and shit like that. And they, it's basically them traveling the world, which is horrifically ravaged by the environment finding uh, enclosures that have been accidentally destroyed or where people have kind of hacked away the virtual presence of a lot of the extinct species where they were kind of contained for posterity. So it could be a real fucking bummer of a book. But Ned Ned Bauman does a very, very good job of like... uh, wielding a a razor sharp wit with it all so it while it is an incredibly grim subject it is very well done my biggest fear is that if i talk about it out loud some capitalist somewhere is going to hear about this and go fuck that's a really good idea extinction <laughs> credits we should do that so yeah um good but slightly terrified at the same time feel good novel of the century right there Exactly, exactly. So. 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 Tonight, uh, rather than talking about any particular episode of Star Trek, we are talking about William Shatner and an uncredited Ron Goulart's Tech War, released in October 1989. So we have... 
UK and US number one hits for that month, or at least for the most popular ones there, with um, the UK having That's What I Like by Jive Bunny and the Mix Masters, and the US with Miss You Much by Janet Jackson. I don't remember either of these. No. 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 I don't even know who Drive Bunny and the Mix Masters are. Well, clearly they were the Mix Masters. Yes. Which, yeah. is, also, which is also the name of a Decepticon who transforms into a, I think, a mixing truck. He's one of the Constructicons. They oh, form cool. Devastator. Well, good. Good for, good for Drive Bunny and Mix Master. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, uh, this is not a Transformers podcast. This is a tech war podcast, and um, yeah, about a different kind of tech. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, you turn the cu- turn the back cover. Uh, here's the back cover blurb, accompanied by William Shatner. I don't know. He, I think he's trying to do neutral passport photo here, or I think you know. Do, do you think that Shatner's trying to do bedroom eyes? I don't know. It feels like he's trying to contain the the usual kind of smug grin. Sort of like thing. maybe maybe like this is the cover he wants for like his acoustic album. Like yeah. you know, Shatner goes acoustic. You know, Shatner. You know, like Bill Shatner unplugged. Yeah, known to millions as Star Trek's Captain Kirk. But okay, obviously, yeah, he he was demoted to ad from admiral by the time this came out. Actor director William Shatner now turns his talents to a stunning novel of future shock. Okay, I'm a two thousand AD fan. I am I am offended. That he yeah. thinks that he could compare to future to to future shock. Tech War is a story of ex cop Jake Cart Car- Jake Cardigan, mm-hmm. who's framed for dealing an addictive brain stimulant called Tech. That's Tech with a K, because of the future, and sentenced to fifteen years of suspended animation. Now mysteriously released after four years in the freezer, Cardigan is on the loose and out for justice. Yes. Oh. Author, Dreamweaver, Visionary, plus actor, William Shatner's Tech War. So I had some friends asking me about questions about Tech War because uh, they saw I was going through something. <laughs> what did they? What did they say? Uh, Charlie, are you okay? Do you do you, do you need us to find you a therapist? And then I'd explain to them about Jake Cardigan. Um, <laughs> And yeah, they were like, so when you read it, do you read it in Shatner's voice? It's like, no, but at no. times Garth Marenghi's voice comes out. <laughs> um, what I love with this, because I think we've got pretty much the same edition. It's just yours mentions the hit TV version. Yep. you. I have a little um, orange kind of swirly sun thing, which, you know, makes me think of um, how they used to cover up... Uh, Naughty Bits in British Pornography, which has now a hit TV series. Yeah, so with this, the best review, the best recommendation from Publishers Weekly, the pace is unrelenting. Oh, you see, my one says, uh, from Star Trek's Captain Kirk, a futuristic thriller from Kirkus Review. (laughs) Mm -hmm. From Kirkus Reviews. Oh! I do have the paces unrelenting of publishers weekly. Oh, These yeah. are definitely okay. The top one is not really a review. It's just kind of a a it's statement a of in, it's a statement of intent. Yeah. Um. I love 
looking at book reviews where they've clearly had to kind of cuss, do some very intense editing to make this sound good. Mm. That dot, dot, dot is always a, a glorious telltale sign. You know, it could be he believes this is a futuristic thriller or this is nothing like a futuristic thriller. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly a book. Now, the good news is for anyone who wants to read this, the pace is indeed unrelenting. Despite a lot of nothing happening, yeah. it moves quickly. Why I... did this take me two two months to read? Maybe a little longer? Mainly because I'd get ten chapters through and I'd just stop. Mm. I would just stop and I would read a different novel and then I'd come back for another ten. And that was pretty much my my experience of reading this. You've read this before, though, Miles. I I think I I have read this. I know I read this before. I didn't. I couldn't remember a single apart from like the first four chapters. Mm. I can't remember. A, I couldn't remember a bloody thing. I do like the Boris Vallejo art cover. Yeah, like it's a cover that's definitely been airbrushed on some metalhead's van. God. Um. Yeah. Like, you've got, like, a really cool rocket ship. You've got... I, I think that's meant to be Winger. Right. The android. Yeah, the shiny um, head. Yup. Um, I think airship. then that's, that's Kate Bush, I think, uh, right next to him. It and does then look like her, yes. <laughs> it, it has some fantastic big 80s hair. And then we get Jake Cardigan, uh, who looks less like William Shatner. And more like if um, David Hasselhoff was turned into a Thunderbirds puppet. Look, I mean, if you're getting Boris Vallejo to kind of paint your cover, you're just accepting what you get. But like he, he's done Star Trek covers, so I've, I've seen oh. Star Trek novel covers where he's drawn Shatner, and it's a pretty good Shatner because like Boris Vallejo can do like photorealism really well. It's just like you know. I think like Boris was like I if I if I do it as Shatner, it's going to give the game away. Yeah, and is that alternatively is that what Ron Goulart looks like? Oh, maybe that'd be amazing. <laughs> that that would be like some proper like conspiracy stuff. Some um, incredible shade. So, Miles, you and I both listen to. Uh, varied book-related podcasts. I have been on various... I, I have been on a book-related podcast, and so this is actually... This is the fourth book this year I've had to read for a podcast. Ah, yes. Speaking of which, if people haven't heard Breakfast in the Ruins and Miles' guest appearances covering some of uh, James Herbert's Wonderful James Herbert's novels. horror and uh, John Norman's um, porno fantasies of gore. Yeah. Um, do I, can I can I make a confession? This actually might be the worst of these books I've read this year, and one of those is softcore fantasy erotica. Oh my god! Imagine if imagine if Shatner did that. Imagine if he was like, yeah, I'm going to get real sexy with it. Like I, like I said in the notes, that's for the Ashes of Eden. Oh, God. One of his Star Trek novels. Mm. Because, like, okay, Tarnsman of Gore is a bad book. Yeah. But there is stuff in Tarnsman of Gore which is either 
stupid, like the fact that it's a planet where no one has invented the satchel, and so mm. people just, like slaves, just carry shit around in their mouths. It has been a year, and I still remember that simple fucking fact. It's a planet of, like, flying beasts and magnificent towers, but no one has gone, hey, I've invented the man purse. Or pockets. Pockets. Pockets don't... Like, the only people who wear pockets are, like, craftsmen in their aprons. Um, the, the James Herbert books were actually quite fun. Yes, like, it sounded like, like you had a fun time with them. Like, like they're bloody and they're gory and, and places kind of weirdly misogynistic, but still, they're really fun reads. Like, I was definitely, I wasn't bored. Whereas, um, I, I'd be honest, uh, Tech War has the reek of contractual obligation, both by the writer and by the reader. Yeah, no one's no one's in for a good time here. You can tell because we're over a, over half an hour in, and we've not described the plot of this book. So the reason I was bringing up other book based podcasts was to see if Miles, you wanted to pick your poison. Uh, do you want to try and sum this up in a grand total of five sentences, or in the style of just King things, or do you want to sum it up? in 60 seconds like i don't even own a television rip r.i.p um yeah um, um yeah. attempted to do and often failed you know what mm -hmm. because we because we like to try and be concise and yes. doing our shows in five minutes we're both I'm gonna known for I, our conciseness. i am going to try five sentences Ooh. I feel this is the price I have to pay for making us read this and yeah. maybe read the sequel. What? <laughs> well, we started one. We can't stop. We can't stop at Tech War. Oh, we I can. Bought, I bought. I bought the first four of these books, Charlie. I need to justify these purchases to myself and my cats. I my feel wife this is, is Mars problem. My wife is okay. My wife is okay with, with me buying books. My cats, though, my cats judge me because I bought Tech War William Shatner novels instead of giving them scritches and food. Oh, no. So, okay, five sentences. We're going to show how bad at grammar I am. It's mm. right. As a writer, you get to butcher it. It's fine. Oh, good. <laughs> All right, five sentences. Sentence number one. Jake Cardigan is a bad cop, comma, put in prison, comma, for being addicted to the electronic drug tech, M-dash. <laughs> Four years into his prison sentence, comma, he is comma, released, full stop. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Sentence number two. Mm -hmm. Jake has been awoken by his former partner, Gomez, who is a member of the Cosmos Detective Agency, who wants to recruit him to find these two scientists, uh, Leon Kittredge, and his daughter Beth Kittredge, comma, 
Beth Kittredge is really hot, comma. This will come up later. Dot, dot, dot. Jake's wife and son have divorced him and left in the house, comma. Jake's reaction to this is to go slip right back into that good old tech habit, full stop. <laughs> Were you just flipping me off right there on the, on the webcam? I was trying or... to keep track sentence-wise. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is some... Uh... This I I'm doing I am butchering this like Cormac McCarthy butchers punctuation, R.I.P. Mm. Sentence two point five. <laughs> so, okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Sentence three. Jake and Com- Jake and Gomez take the case. Comma. Gomez is immediately put out of action by a kamikaze android. By the way, there are kamikaze androids in the future. People use them for assassinations. Comma. Jake does it alone because he's a wild card who doesn't play by the rules. Comma. So he goes to Mexico. Full stop. Sentence four. Jake doesn't do a lot in Mexico. Comma. But he finds an android copy of Beth of Beth Kitch of Beth Kittredge, the hot scientist daughter, who knows more than she's telling. Comma. Jake doesn't like androids, so he's very kind of offensive to her, but comes around because of her robo-boobs. Beth is killed by a kamikaze android pretending to be Jake's son. Also, there's some stuff with a, a with a warlord reactionary called Wardog, who everyone thinks Jake has had the sex with, Warbride. but Jake is not Warbride. But Jake has not had the sex with. That's how much of a fuckmaster three thousand Jake Cardigan truly is. Full stop. Sentence five. The book just trails to a conclusion. It turns out that the person um, who was behind all this was actually the person that Jake's former ex-wife is actually sleeping with. Um, he crack. Jake cracks the case and meets the real Beth Kittredge on the moon. Will we find out anything else about the anti-tech... Oh, wait, comma. I didn't mention the anti-tech device, comma. Uh, Turns out that the missing scientists, comma, were working on an anti-tech device, comma, which will eradicate tech's addictive influence, comma. Punctuation, random punctuation mark. This is really bad for the drug concerns. Full stop. Wow. That that was the words full stop, not actually the punctuation mark full stop. Because as we all know, governments have never secretly been involved in drug cartels for illicit um, illegal military operations overseas, comma. See the Opium Wars, Iran-Contra, the War on Drugs, open brackets... 1980s, Ronald Reagan says, what? Question mark, close brackets. To be continued? Full stop. That was some impressive punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think I've seen that many commas in a sentence since uh, sick form creative writing class. <laughs> um, incredible. Yeah, so... 
I, I was impressed at how quickly you managed to skip through basically all of the Mexico stuff. But yeah, so so little happens. Like Jake, Jake's a bit shit, really. Like as his former cop, former convict. Oh yeah, I've got knowledge from both sides. First of all, like the the convict side of it. He's been put in a freezer for four years. So, like, what do you expect to do with the prison system with that? Like, surely prison's meant to put people away to have them repent. It's not. Oh, oh, Charlie, you live in England, so you don't know the hell that is the American prison system. Oh, okay. So just going, we'll freeze this person for 15 years, sling them out, and then they just they decide not to do a crime now yeah well you know it, it helps that in america the majority of people in prison are underpoverished minorities so it's just you know it's this is getting political really fast but yeah um yeah it's, it's basically it's basically a way to generate profit because a lot of prisons in america are run for profit if that doesn't disturb you then what's wrong with you well, yes. And so, what are these frozen bodies being used for in the aid of profit? Captain Birdseye products? Maybe, maybe. But yeah, so, like, he gets unfrozen yeah. and immediately is rattling down contacts to try and dox his ex-wife and try and get in contact with her, which... It's not a great way to win you over to a protagonist really early. Like no. In the first 10 chapters of the book. And it, I don't know, it was what, 20 chapters? Something like that. <laughs> it was ludicrously late that I found out what tech actually is. Oh no, 48 pages in. I didn't know why he was unfrozen. I wasn't quite sure what tech was other than it's a thing that affects your brain. So tech is a kind of a drug that makes you see like VR versions of an idealized life, but it's only one use and it addicts you to it. Mm. Okay, good. Right. So even after having read this, saying it out loud, it's like, that is correct, right? So like, the big plot here is trying to find a doctor and his his lovely daughter Beth, who Jake can't stop looking at the photos of while he's getting the briefing of the case, he keeps shuffling them around, putting the photo to the top. When there's a hologram of her, he's ogling the hologram. He can't get enough of her. Despite we we, we miss the mm. thing because it's implied that he's met her before, because he, he dreams about her at the beginning of the book. Yeah, yeah. Does that ever become a thing? Not maybe in the sequel. I don't know if I care that much to to find out, but yeah. So like, yeah, it's it was weird enough that Shatner's writing ticks mean you quite often get like an age, maybe a weight, and a nationality of people. You know, forty eight overweight Mexican. See, uh, kind of I still think that this, my personal theory about this, mm. is that apparently um, he started making notes for this during Star Trek V. 
right. which given that that was a film that he both wrote and directed, the jokes just write themselves. My current running theory is that this was a pilot script for a weekly sci-fi crime show that Shatner wanted to shop around. And so when it was very clear that that ain't happening, um, he went, right, I'm going to turn this into a novel. And so he's basically transferring like the, the stage directions for the character breakdowns into the prose. Yeah, I mean, there are some odd habits with that as well. There are a lot of characters specifically called out for their weight. And a lot of women are divided into the two camps of blonde or not blonde as well, um, including Kate Cardigan, the ex-wife, <laughs> and also Beth and Robot Beth, who, despite everything, all of the, the varied exes, uh, rumoured or real, and um, potential love interests are all brunettes, despite the blonde or not blonde division that he does. Yeah, it's it's got a weird tone, really, with a lot of it. Did Did you notice the fact that Robobeth may have actually been more competent um, than Jake was? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like when Jake's having to do some robot bullfighting, which should be cooler, <laughs> should be way <laughs> cooler than it actually is in here. Like he fights four robot bulls. And yeah, it's just like, oh, fuck it. Just get out of here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Robot Beth fixes it. Um, yeah. And the other thing I caught was um, when he was looking at Beth Kittredge and Dr. Kittredge, I guess almost that classic Star Trek or s classic science fiction thing of whatever doctor this is has to have a hot daughter. When he looks at Dr. Kittredge, he's like, a doctor in his 50s isn't past it. Honestly, I immediately had to look up Shatner's age. He was very much like, no, it's no. fine that he's in his 50s. Why, Jake Cardigan's in his late 40s. He's not quite there yet. He's basically a decade younger than Shatner was. Yeah. Um, and even though Beth is, what, 26? And the love interests? Like, I guess he's, it's less problematic than um leonardo dicaprio's age gaps with his uh his partners yeah but yeah i i admit the one thing i did have to check while um uh while reading this was has william shatner been divorced lately <laughs> because um there is some like the, the ex-wife kate god cardigan mm. is every single male writer's combination of all like all the misogynistic ex-wife tropes you can do like she's she's a bit of a bitch um she's refusing access to his son um that's literally like sleeping with the enemy literally sleeping with the enemy and also at the end of the book we finally find out the reason why jake cardigan slipped and started taking tech was because he was too he was too invested in the case he was on, and so his wife left him for a week, and this is what made him fall back, on hit fall into the drug habit. It's like no, it's no like hey 
he gave into temptation or he was doing some Miami Vice undercover stuff and got in too deep. Nope. His his wife ditched him. That's all it takes. Hey, Mars, Mars, noir heroes aren't supposed to be flawed. They're not supposed to have fucked up themselves. No. You know, they're supposed to be pure in all things, and if they've slipped, it's obviously that bitch. It's obviously the wo- it's obviously the woman's fault. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. 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 Um. One other thing that I found interesting in my notes uh, at one point, I I did note down that Shatner seems very impressed with himself at having learned some basic Spanish, kind of. Um. Yeah. Some basic Mexican phrases. Oh, no. I, I think I, I think I know because like usually in a lot of 80s cyberpunk it was always the fear of like Japan would mm. become like the big superpower and so you have a lot of uh, Japanese imagery in like say Blade Runner actually so I, I think just Chatner's going oh, okay what is different from Japan Mexico got it oh god Shatner baby you've done this again yeah, I the state of Mexico in it was like it all of the shit around the border. It's oh my god, it's a war zone. Look, skeletons, dead horse, oh, destroyed things. You can you can feel the bad American TV show like yellow filter with a lot of this because it is just this complete Mad Max sort of thing. Just like just south from the states with the air cars and all of this it's it's this incredible hive of scum and villainy with war bride who again sounds far more impressive as a name like mm. yeah you've got this warlord of these contested borderlands yeah this revolution a revolutionary no a lady revolutionary oh my god what um yeah and then no it's it's sadly not at all impressive at no, it's, any point. It, it's There's not a knife-wielding even... cyborg. There's a knife cyborg. There's several a... Mexican... Like, there is a guy, like, a dressed up as, like, a stereotypical Mexican. Mm. Like, I think he has the moustache and the hat, and he's just two steps away from being, like, a knife-wielding Speedy Gonzalez robot. Like, this is a weird Five Nights at Freddy's rip-off. And I'm like, this... This should be more... This should be more... Like, yeah. this should be more offensive. This should be more dumb. And it's just... Yeah. Like, yeah. Even the robot prostitutes. Uh, the Andy hookers. Yeah. Like... Oh, I, mean... I... I love the fact that robot porn mm. has destroyed real porn oh, as an industry. Exactly. I'm just thinking, oh, God. Like, oh, 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 Billy Boy. You you don't know how the zeitgeist will t- how is a is has dated what you said, yeah. because I am sure in this day and age, if people are like yeah, you wanna you wanna make a porn movie where you fuck a robot, people are going yes. <laughs> and I is his is his name Fisto. <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's yeah. it's. It's this weird middle-aged, small C conservative image of what sleaze is, mm. and it's just never—it's never sleazy enough. 
It's like no. it's like Shatner doesn't want to go too deep. Yeah, it'd be a bit too much work. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it it's where <laughs> later on you start getting these moments of, oh my god, robot prostitutes. Is this going to be exciting? No. No. Oh, we're seeing the war bride in a great forest that she's hidden in. Is she going <laughs> to be interesting? Actually, it's no, no. you should say that. No. no. She is all about that hashtag brand, though, with like it, it, a fake audience and several rapes in her gritty backstory, including some which are, of course, made up f- to make a number that's more exciting to the audience. Do, does does she do anything to help? Like, does she and her her gra- her, her band of gritty gorillas help Jake out in a crucial moment? I mean, no. Like she, there is a point where her boyfriend, because apparently anyone that has either actually or you know allegedly slept with Jake now has a shitty partner. She's been seeing this guy, Vargas. Oh, I, I who... thought you were going to imply that Vargas also slept with Jake Cardigan. I mean, that would have been more interesting. That would have been, that would have been more enjoyable. If, like, the reason why everyone thinks that um, that Jake slept with Warbride is Jake is just kind of a bit ashamed to admit he slept with Vargas instead. Yeah, which is fair, because Vargas seems like a bit of shit, really. Um, but yeah, there's a fight scene, which I don't know about you, it worked in my mind's eye, perfect Shatner Star Trek fighting. He chopped a gun out of his hand. There was some nice running about. There wasn't any double hand punching, but I liked to imagine it all the same. Mm. And, um, like, Warbride does at least fucking laser through Vargas's chest after a bit of a chat about, oh no, he's he's a bad one. And that's it. That's all she's good for. Aside from this ominous presence earlier in the book quick question mm. i think this might be one of the very few books i've read which is not a a tv tie-in where i can mentally imagine the ad breaks yeah just like end of this section fade to black i mean yeah maybe you just put it down and went away for a bit <laughs> like, away thought about my life like, decided I was doing pretty well actually, and I'd go back to the book <laughs> because obviously I've I've written and directed a movie now, so I'm going to be perfect at this. Yeah, that end as well. I was I was overjoyed at the last strike day that I was on that I was reading this. I was like, okay, I'm about eighty percent through. I I can do it. Finish line and hitting. Is it chapter 33, 34? And he's going to the moon, and it feels like it, sh- it. There's a lot to wrap up, there's a lot to do. And then when he meets the real Beth, uh, in her uncle's moon villa, and like, in fact, yeah, no, yeah, it's a bit further than that, even just going, oh, yeah. In my notes, I have, I, I have here, I forgot to write about the ending because there isn't one. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Beth going, oh yeah, her dad's a bit bad, and you know, she kind of feels she knows Jake, and he's like, well, I've got a funny story, and then he tells her the novel you've just read, and then I assume she kills him, because fucking hell, I, like, yeah, all of this, all of this nonsense, madness, um, yeah, it is, 
it's certainly a book and its pace it's... was indeed unrelenting yep uh yeah like you know i just you know, this this is why i keep saying it feels like a pilot for a tv show because mm. there's none of like the inner depth like the, the, the really great one of those great things about like other pulp noir or detective novels um something Agatha Christie does really well Chandler does really well is not just putting you in the head of the characters but also putting you in the head of the society around the characters like um I think it was Ed Brubaker in one of like his little essays he has at the back of his comics where he says that Agatha Christie stories aren't about whodunits they're stories about the secrets of the rich and powerful mm. and our characters unearthing these different secrets in trying to solve this murder. Um, I think the big strength about Raymond Chandler is that you have a character in Philip Marlowe who was essentially trying to be a good man in this city of corruption and vice and how, how much can one man put himself in the dirt again and again and still remain a decent person. And you get you get Shatner trying to pay lip service to this, but it's always it's never it's never deep. It's yeah. just yeah, um, San Francisco is nice, but kind of but kind of skeezy. Mexico is a shithole, and the character is just there's nothing to him. None. The most the most impressive thing is his drug addiction, which only turns up when it's important for the book to kind of have a moment when it's like, oh no, he might fall back. He he does tech once yeah. at the start of the book, and then he's kind of fine, except for his one black moment where he's tempted, but he's still but then he's fine. He doesn't fall back. At no point is the character really at no point does it feel like the character is action addict. He he. It just seems to treat um. His tech addiction, as like one of the flaws on his character sheet, which mm. only turns up when the player or the GM remember that. Oh yeah, he has this flaw. Yeah, one of those like in World of Darkness games, you'd often get a nice one point disadvantage. If it was like nothing mechanical happens to this, but do role play that you're a bit arrogant. And that would be it. And yeah, you there you go. You've got one skill point. Could like, work. Do, do you know like a good example of like an addict uh, in in fiction? And I'd say Charlie from Lost. Mm, yes. Charlie fucks up repeatedly. Yeah. And he tries. He desperately tries. And he's on an island that certain forces there want him to fail. Mm. Want him to fuck up and encourage that and yeah ultimately you know it takes a tv series amount of time well half of one really and yeah while he doesn't have a good fate he has a good end yeah and this this feels like it feels like shatner's a man who has seen film noir who has read <laughs> that kind of crime novel um but hasn't seen them really. no you know, he understands what a he, uh, what a hero like this should be um, aesthetically. Yeah, and he knows that there needs to be, you know, the uh, ingenue 
uh, needs to be all these kind of roles. But, you know, it's... oh, yeah, his partner on the force. Fuck, I need to get rid of him because it's all got to be Jake Steele. It's, it's hampered by, by the confines of standards and practice. Mm. Like, I kind of want to see the gritty HBO remake of Tech War. Like the like the gritty Perry Mason they did a few years ago, mm-hmm. which had which I think had some dead kids in it. Like you you want to see what this could look like if it was given to a writer who like actually had some teeth and and wanted to kind of try and dare I say it talk about the issues. But of course, it it was the it was the eight it was the eighties it was um, Reagan's just say no, America. Wow. Like this, this yeah. basically treats it, you know, with absolutely no gravitas, no energy, no depth, and thus no passion. It would be too much, really. No, to, yeah, to do any of that. Yeah, sadly. Uh, I'm aware there is an animation that was an animated series that's in theory due out in 2023. But given we are in the last dregs of 2023 and zero people appear to be tied to it May- on uh, on IMDb, I doubt it's happening. No, no. Um, do you know what actually did do this kind of addictive nostalgia drug better? Well, I want Miles. Uh, Red Dwarf. Um, yeah, like they did better. Than, they did the episode "Better Than Life," which has "Better Than Life" the drug, which gives you your great your greatest wishes. And then when they did the novels, which are much more darker and grittier, I never thought I'd say the words "the dark, gritty Red Dwarf" novels. Mm. But the Red Dwarf novels basically have "Better Than Life" be this virtual drug which is so addictive you don't even know you're in the game and anyone trying to remove the the implant like the implant from you it will kill you yeah it, it's not as addictive as um the other drug which is in a novel which is really fun which is a drug called bliss which is so addictive that if you see it you're immediately addictive and you immediately think you're god it is essentially what everyone in the u.s police um, claims fentanyl does, <laughs> which is a drug so powerful that you look at it and you're addicted. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've read those Red Dwarf books. I think I'd got into the TV show quite heavily and mm. about 13 or 14 reading the books and go, oh, this is quite different. Yeah, oh, the books are very... really different. Mm, yes. But yeah, it's um it's that kind of thing with tech war where the tech doesn't really feature much. No. You don't really hear hear much of what it's about until later on because you don't need to. Um the big MacGuffin that the Kittredges were kidnapped over, in theory. They may have been killed, but we know they've been kidnapped instead. Um, is a device that will somehow destroy all tech in one go. And given tech is by somehow like a one-use chip, I'm not quite sure how this is intended, but yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
why that's, not? That's, why not? You, that's the how that's, magic. The detonator thing is magic. Whatever. It, the, it, it's it's essentially I don't know AVG. It's spyware, right. of course. Yeah, it'll kind of launch this spyware, and it, it'll be able to install on all the brain boxes and stop you from getting your tech fix. Yeah, tech. I ex- I don't know what I expected. I was like, oh, is this going to be some kind of future technology? Something like that, where we're going to spell it with a K? Because, yeah. Because future. Um, I didn't expect this to be a whole drug war thing. It's it, it's basically a... Um, it's basically the virtual boy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This feels like... It's the drug war wanting to be uh, a noir story, but actually being kind of an old science fiction film, you know, mm. with Beth and with Leon and with uh, the robot version of Beth, which I will admit we're giving this a lot of shit. A laugh out loud moment was when Jake saw his boy his teenage boy who has not been allowed to speak to because he's of the divorce. And it's like, it's my son. Oh my God. And the son's like, Oh dad. And out of nowhere, robot Beth just bolts in, intercept <laughs> going, the boy's a bomb. It's like, yes, yes. yes the boy's yes. a bomb. Give me more of that. Um, yeah. Like, but you know what ruins that? It's the second time they pull that trick in the in the book it because is, Jake's is. partner Gomez, who we've not mentioned once, who is admittedly like the most Mexican cliche, yeah, is taken out of the not of the story the same way. Well, I mean, wasn't it a hot blonde he saw was, that then blew up? Yeah, wasn't actually like one of Beth. Oh no, no, it was the scientist. No. no. But yeah, like it's, yeah, uh, like people that, robots that look like people but are actually bombs. It could have been so much cooler. And at least in that last one, I know what you're saying with Gomez getting got by this. And you even get a robot taxi driver going, well, you know, to cover for coverage for the company, I am fitted with explosives just in case, you know, anyone nicks this or tries to take me hostage or whatever but the boy that becomes a bomb <laughs> a plus Place. love it yeah and i i really hope that the sequels are this insane i well i, I wish you luck in your <laughs> reading endeavors no you you don't want to you don't want to be in you, you don't want to do casual tech to tech lord boogaloo oh god only if people pay us money <laughs> But yeah, I I know you bought the entire lot. No, I just bought I just bought the first four. There's more than four. There's about I think it's about nine. Oh fucking hell! Jesus wept. Right, I um yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know there were four. Um, um there was a a TV a TV show. Which, oh yeah, yeah, the TV show. There was also a, there was also a Marvel comic. Yes, cool. I tried World. looking. I tried looking for that at Dave's, but I couldn't bring myself to ask <laughs> my my former employer. And I'd like to feel after this many years, friend Hugh, 
please, could you get me the Tech War comics? Because I've bought some shameful X-Men <laughs> comics from him. I've, like, yeah, no, no, it's too much. Oh, dear. I'm aware of some extended techness of all of this, but it's... And good, because this one doesn't really end. No. No. Yeah, I want more bonkers technology. I did try and keep track of some of them. I have tech, of course, and the cryo prisons. Yep. There's also technology to self-induce earthquakes. There's apparently that we do with LA now. That was kind of funny. I thought that was kind of... Like, that feels like a something they would have in like a Judge Dredd comic. Yes. Oh god, I would love that in a in a Judge Dredd kind of thing. Like this bit of Mega City one. It's on unstable plates, so he just, you know, ease off the tension. Yeah. Which yeah, it was like, oh yeah, LA gets a little earthquake every now and again. Just a treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh faxes. Faxes featured real big in here. There were fax books, there were fax zines. Oh. Um, you go to a, a bookshop and they print, they fax you the copy of the book that then you print out. Love it. That that was great. I also love the fact that he goes to one in Mexico mm. and the, the fact the, the shop owner says only six books are allowed because, you know, Mexico is just that shit and undemocratic. Unlike America. Oh, God. Yeah, and um, and yeah, of course, for kamikaze robots, yeah, look like us, but then run at you and blow up. Um, I, yeah. that's, I, I'm surprised there's not been in like a video game. Uh, I think there was a video game of Tech War, wasn't there? I think it was like one of those FMV, like one of those 90s FMV games. I mean, I, I don't know, I can imagine this one of those being one of those uh, first person shooters. Oh, god, yes. Yeah, I could see that being a thing. Let's see. Oh, no, that's a sci-fi TV movie. That's another sci-fi TV movie. And then the sci-fi TV show. Um, Yeah, who knows? Maybe. Oh, yeah, that's another sci-fi TV movie. My word. Greg Evigan got a lot of work as uh, Jake Cardigan. Good for him. I I hope he got paid well. Okay, uh, William Shatner's Tech War, Flight of Icarus. Oh, there we go. Hang on, uh, PC Longplay, William Shatner's Tech War. Okay, it's quite fun. The two thumbnails uh, side by side is kind of funny because you've got, there's I've got one here of William Shatner standing in front of like, I don't know, a feel, a screen from Mist with the caption below saying, take tech and die. And <laughs> And Shatner's doing like a very kind of stern face, and then the one below it is clearly a, is a long play, and it's got a poor quality, poor, very heavily pixelated picture of of Shatner with his mouth with his mouth open, kind of like a shocked face, like dull surprise. Okay, so it multimedia franchise. Tech War. I I'm surprised we haven't had the um the re- the big reboot of Tech War. That yeah. We we haven't had like the the Tech War expanded universe. No no one's no one's coming to try and uh, revitalize this intellectual property. No, there's been no like critical reexamination of Tech War. 
No. Well, maybe this is it. Maybe we are the critical examination of tech war. You say that, but we are very much here to bury it, not pray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, like, yeah, it's it's certainly a book. Um, I feel that the slightly incoherent podcast that's just happened about all of this is probably a fair indicator, and given how little we went into the plot shows how little plot there actually is. So, Charlie, yeah, where does this go on the big list? I mean, we've not really got a bin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have you, yeah. have you ever have you ever actually thrown a book in a bin? Uh, not in a bin. I did throw my Kindle um, twice, actually. I'm pleased it survived. The first was reading Ready Player One. Mm, uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And um, because I have a bad back, I like to lay in semi-supine in the morning to stretch the back out. Bit of Alexander technique type stuff, that kind of thing. But my attention span's so poor, I tend to read while I do that. And I just got to a point where I just yelled, oh, fuck off. Yelled, uh, like, threw it. It hit the wall and then fell down onto my bed. So at least it had a safe landing. And then the second time was more of exasperation at reading another classic tome of our modern time with Fifty Shades of Grey. So, um, yeah, kind of same. Like, yeah, like the reason I was reading it was because I was part of a writing group and the writing group were doing like, let's read, let's all read a book every month or so so we've got a common what are we reading that we can chat about the person in charge was fairly judgy with what would be received or anything like that and my now partner emma who i was trying to impress at the time was saying why don't we read something that is popular with the public to dissect it not necessarily something good but Fifty Shades of Grey sells incredibly, constantly being taken out of the library. She was working at the time, in every charity shop, all of that. <laughs> the person in charge for writing group was so vehemently against it. Even if I wasn't trying to impress Emma by basically siding with this decision, <laughs> I probably might have said yes, let's do this to wind the leader up. Now, the, the leader turned out to be a complete piece of shit turf anyway. So oh, more course. torment for her, for better. But, um, yeah. So I've read, I've read it, and it's not good. It's very much not good. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it is poorly written. It is not a great story. And, yeah, at one point, I just was like, ah, fuck this. And, again, flung it um so yeah hopefully i won't hit that point if i have to get what is it tech lords for next one on kindle then i i pray for my kindle safety i let's see um okay my my 50 shade story go on um okay i once got into an argument with a co-worker at the hilton mm -hmm. over 50 shades of gray um they turned to me and said you don't like the idea of women reading porn and then um 
I just remembered uh, my my then fiance's rather sizable collection on her computer, shall we say. And my response was, no, I am completely fine with women enjoying porn. I just think women should enjoy good porn. Well, yeah. Like, if you're going to read erotica, don't read Tarnsman of Gore is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, when I left the Hilton to immigrate and get married, um, one of my retirement presents from the Hilton was £200 and a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey, which, to my credit, came across the ocean with me. Oh, wow. And then we tried to read it. Yeah. And we found any time the book actually almost got within an inch of potentially being sexy, the book would then ruin it. It really can't stick landing with that. No. No. And so any any attempt when it almost you could almost have gone yeah this this is kind of this is kind of sexy, the book would then have one of the characters say something, which then immediately deflates the uh, the eroticism quicker than one of my attempts to make blamange. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's our Fifty Shades of Grey story. <laughs> <laughs> I I have admittedly barbecued a book. Oh, okay. It was it was Battlefield Earth by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, that's fair. Nothing of value was lost, and I I once threw a book out of a second story window. Mm-hmm. That was Empire by Orson Scott Card. Again, um, yeah, which was a book which denotes a civil war between blue and red states in America. He tried to present this as fair, but mm-hmm. this is Orson Scott Card who in the afterword of the book talks about how gay marriage is destroying America. So I think there's some bias. There was a point when the main character in the book said, only only watch Fox News. Europeans believe whatever they're told to by the media. This is the point where I said, right, fuck you, mate. Opened up the window of my parents' house in Brighton and chucked it out of my bedroom to land on the Brighton streets below. Where... It was gone the next day, but I really hoped that Brighton's status as a queer city in the UK just made the book burst into flames upon touching the tarmac. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, or a bunch of seagulls just ripped it to pieces. Yeah, uh, that's, that's possible. I'd hope so. Yeah, so, um, okay. So, so, yeah, we have no list to place this on. We, we have no list, um, except a list of by the author. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, we have, um, we do have some vague lists of works by other Star Trek (laughs) actors as well. So, yeah, you never know if this goes down well. We may. You you see, I've read some of Shatner's Kirk novels. Mm. And I think they're more your brand of crazy. Oh, no. Because, um, you're like Kirk is in full on, like he is the mo- he is the person of which the entire universe revolves around. Well, he's gonna double hand punch a dinosaur while riding. Like you know, like there there you know, it's basically yes, Kirk dies in generations, but he gets better, of course, and then proceeds to kind of 
meet everyone in the Star Trek universe and either be better than them, smarter than them, punch them, or I think tries to screw them. Of course. And I assume all of them go, oh my God, he's so cool. Pretty much. Like, give that Ace Rimmer, what a guy. What a guy. <sighs> so, you know, while... While Tech Lords might be out in future, I'm not ruling out either the re- the return where Kirk comes back from the dead. Oh, because I remember that one being kind of crazy. I and he manages revenge books for you. Do it. <laughs> um, do this it. is the problem. Try to find something something terrible to inflict so, on something... you as revenge. If it's prose, you'll do it. I'll do it. I, I've read I've read some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, God, it, I feel this is only a losing game for me. <laughs> see, this is great because the thing is, like, I used to hate read stuff. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast that fucking cancer and COVID mm. um, really made me stop doing this because I have better things in my time. Yeah. So maybe this is why I'm just all in on reading shit for podcasts because now I can justify it. Yes. Do you know what makes would make me justify it even more? Why what? If people, if people went to our Kofi, where you can, if you give us a little bit of money, if you send us not much cash, we will, we will, we will find justification to do anything you tell us to do. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I was going to put caveats on it, but I've had several dental incidents go on and we now have to pay for Zencaster. So really we're any of yours for money. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I I work for Starbucks. I will dance in the back room for money. <laughs> probably have. Yeah, I probably have, but I won't admit it. Um man, this actually came out as almost as long as on one of our regular episodes. Didn't we say this would be the quick one? Yeah we did. Yeah that I think yeah. that cursed it for us. Yup. So Charlie where can they find us? Where can they send us not much cash? Where can they make us digitally dance in digital back rooms for digital money? Yes. Well, uh, handily, people can check out Casual Trek on Kofi, which is where we accept money. And also on Blue Sky, where we talk about Star Trek things occasionally. And um, also on the brand new Nerd and Tie forums, where as well as just chatting with other people in the Nerd and Thai community, we will probably be tormenting them with varied bits of Star Trek tat and posting a link to the big list, or at least the public version of the big list, without as many embarrassing notes on it. So yeah, that's it for us, for the show. You can find me at Fate Tales, where I talk about indie RPGs, uh, skyshark.itch.io for my comics, and um, yeah, also on Blue Sky as Sky Shark, where I talk about mostly X-Men, really. Uh, what about you, Mars? Uh, you can find me on on Blue Sky on the name Miles Reed Lobato on mareedlobato.wordpress.com. And like you said, you can find you can find Charlie on blue sky talking about x-men but unlike when he does it on his facebook i don't immediately go to every single end of each issue and post the grange hill theme yet yet yeah 
I guess if not integrated videos, you know. Yeah. It wouldn't quite work the same. Um, Yeah, so next time we're going to be celebrating Christmas because the episode will drop literally on Christmas Day. How exciting. Um, So, yeah. Next time we'll be doing our, our now traditional Xmas episode exchange. Um, who's going to get the lump of coal this time? I, as the giver of it last year, I get the feeling there may be some revenge coming my way. And, you know, normally we would say, go to a Starfleet. But th- to th- this week, we weren't doing a Star Trek podcast. We were doing a tech war podcast. So kids, stay off the tech. Tech is a made-up drug. Winners, don't do tech. Or else you're going to get deported to Mexico. Yeah, abrupt ending. You've been listening to Casual Trek by Charlie Etheridge Nunn and Miles Reed Lobato. Music by Alfred Etheridge Nunn. Casual Trek's part of the Nerd and Tie Network. And if you want to support us monetarily, because you love what we do that much, you can now do that by going to Coffee and looking up Casual Trek. There's a link in the show notes.